again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. How are you? Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. Hope you're good. We've been a, l- a bit silent and dark over the last week and a half, two weeks, while uh, coming off the big social media fast series that we did, where we did 40 podcasts in 40 days. Hats off. Big respect to the YouTubers and podcasters out there that are turning daily content. It is a pain in the ass <laughs> at the end of the day. And uh, much cred, much love. You know, I used to think, because I was in the television business for years, and um, when you're in the television business, you're used to pumping something out every single day. Like, you can't get away from the grind of pumping out content every day. For example, when I was a producer, um, when I was an executive producer, I was in charge of, like, you know, hours and hours and hours of programming. So you would go into work and you just automatically know that we're starting from nothing and we're going to make something. And the last place I was work, uh, working, the Fox in San Diego, and we were pumping out four, uh, four and a half hours of live TV. So we started at zero, and then at the end of our day, it was we just produced four and a half hours of live television and an orchestration of maybe, you know, 25 to 50 people along the way every single day. So that was a big load. But for some reason, when you're working with a crew, it's fun and it's a good time. And you don't necessarily go, oh, this is really a pain. I mean, the grind, you know, you definitely need vacations here and there without a doubt. But then I look at the YouTubers who are out there doing daily content by themselves and, you know, just going at it. And I'm just like, man, major, major hands off. Because for a while there was like day 15 or something when we're doing these podcasts every day and you're trying to rouse somebody on the phone and communicating via email and text and DM and the whole nine yards. You're like, man, I'm back in the producing thing again so you know whatever uh, i've got a buzzing on my microphone and i'm not liking that so i'm adjusting that as we talk and there it is okay good um on to today's big show that i've entitled party conversation we're going to be talking about a real direct look and understanding of where you at in the present um most people you know, I I mean, it's it's America, it's 2019, and here's what happens, right? And here's what's happening, and you, and you can answer this yourself. I mean, you don't you don't certainly need me to answer this, but we are constantly wanting satisfaction by what is next. You know, what is next? Where are we gonna? You know, where are we going next? Where are we eating next? What what job is next? What place are we living next? What car are we driving next? What clothes am I going to get next? What friends will I have? What's the hot chick I'm going to marry? What's the hot dude I'm going to marry? What what what's the next political thing I'm going to be hearing and talking about? What so everything in our world becomes what's next to satisfaction, and we never do right now. We never do the present, and in spiritual formation land, kind of where I live. Uh, so as a spiritual director, when I'm as a spiritual director, you can hear my accent that that Western New York State accent pop out when I do a spiritual director. <laughs> I grew up in Rochester, New York, so it's that's where you get that. Um, as a spiritual director, I am very very concerned with how you are listening, hearing, feeling, vibing in the present, and helping you move into spaces where we can make that much more gooier and stickier and easier. Uh, to become aware of and conscious of the present. Because if you're not living in the now, you're go- I guarantee you, man, you've got fear and worry and trepidation. You've got all kinds of emotions that are happening that you're allowing to perhaps take you and run with you. 
and not you really taking the emotions and the feelings and really kind of going, hey, <laughs> I don't really need the fear. I don't really need the trepidation. I don't really need the worry. Um, I don't need the anger. I don't need the resentment. So I'm going to use a story, a parable, um, taught by a guy named Jesus. Do you know who Jesus um, uh, taught by uh, a guy named Jesus. Um, and the story's in Luke 15, 11. Luke 15, 11 through 32. And everybody knows this story. If you're not a religious, spiritual person, you, you know the story because we use this reference all the time because it's the story of the prodigal son. The story of a guy who is like, hey, I want, I want what's coming to me because I want to go out and kind of live the way I want to live, and so screw you all, I'm going. So, uh, and then the guy, the prodigal son, ends up coming back home. But we're, we're going to, the the way I want us to really emote the present is by taking in the story um, and just really kind of understanding it. So, and I've kind of talked about the prodigal son before, but this is something that comes up with my clients very often um, because I'm constantly moving people into the present. And for the record, it takes practice, like you wouldn't believe, to become really gooey, sticky, and involved in the present. So for those of you who um, are listening and perhaps not as attached to the present as you'd like to be, um, this would be the podcast for you. And for those of you who are already anchored into spiritual practices or practices that keep you in the present, just a good food and uh, you know, food for thought, fodder for you to burn, or however you want to look at it. But uh, that this is the way I'm challenging everybody today, which is the way I challenge myself, frankly. I have three adopted kids, uh, all from all uh, a sibling group of three, and they came to us in the same day, and that alone is enough to shock you into the present. Like, you really have to understand, like, oh my gosh, you went from zero to three kids in one day. <laughs> so th- that was a good jump start for me. But it's also easy under those circumstances, pressures, and worries and fears when you get three kids in one day, it's also very easy to not stay in the present because you want to check out, <laughs> because you want to run away, because the emotions can be so, be so heavily burdened or laden on top of you that you are like, hey, pass me a beer, <laughs> which I did, which wasn't a very damn good thing. So th- this is just a real a real clean story to get that. Now, most people aren't going to associate how to stay in the present with the product with the prodigal son, but we're going to give it a different twist today. Cuz I want to put you in this story. I really want you to put yourself into the prodigal son story. So let's just read it first so we get what it is. This is out of the message, a big fan of the message translation of the Bible cuz it's chewable, it's understandable. It doesn't have all of these, the thous, and for the record, if you're still reading the Bible with all of these and the thous, get rid of it. Get a Bible that 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 speaks to you the way you speak to other people, please. Um, don't be concerned about the translations. I know everybody gets mental and crazy when it comes to, oh, if you're not reading the King James, you're going to hell. It's all garbage. Get a Bible that you can understand. Get a Bible that you get the narrative. We're looking for the essence of what the Bible is when you read the Bible. We're not looking for the Bible to be always up on a shelf, up on some kind of crazy platform that we can never reach. We want the Bible to be in our lives and us understanding us in the stories of the Bible or us in the essence of what the Bible is teaching us. And we want to do some translative understanding, obviously, and that, 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 that comes with the territory. 
because the Bible has been translated over many, many centuries uh, into different languages and different understandings. And frankly, frankly, I'll be flatly honest with you, there have been a lot of translations that have absolutely screwed up the messaging of love, the value of the tradition, the wisdom tradition of Jesus, the wisdom tradition of the Jews. We've just really screwed it up over the course of time with different translations. So I like the message. I think the message puts it in a more chewable fashion for us all because this is how we talk to one another in 2019. If you want to argue with that, you can go ahead. I won't be a part of it. Okay, Uh, Luke 15. Um, Jesus is teaching. There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, so the younger son is about to make a proclamation. Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father, willingly, right? He did it. He divided the property between the two brothers. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant, a different, a distant country. And for the record, as we go here, this is not an unusual looking story for families around the world, right? People want to get up and out, man. I wanted to get up and out. I was living on my own when I was 17 years old, for the record, away from parental units. So I got a little prodigal in me. <laughs> there, undisciplined and dissipated, dissipated, meaning guy that, a guy that's going to be overly indulgent, right? He wasted everything he had. So he spent all his dad's cash. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through the country, and he began to hurt. So he spends all his crap. He's, he's way overbloviated with everything he's doing. Living large, you know, drinking the crystal, hitting the clubs, driving a great car, got probably a nice little apartment downtown, and just living the life. And then all of a sudden, the culture goes to hell because of this famine, and now he began to hurt. <laughs> and I love the, I love the understanding. He began to hurt. And uh, for those of you who have gone a little bit of time with not a lot of stuff, you understand the hurt. Jesus says. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to the fields to slop the pigs. And when you slop the pigs, you feed them. That's what you're doing. So if you ever heard that expression, slop the pigs, it's like, go feed them. So he signs a contract, essentially, with a dude. Hey, come on in. You're going to be my, you're going to kind of be my servant to the pigs. So, you know, talk about zero to 60 in both directions. Zero to 60 in the beginning of the story is, I got all this cash, I'm out. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Zero to 60 at this point in the story is, I've, I've got nothing, and now I'm feeding pigs. Jesus says he was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. So no one would even give him the, the corn cobs in the pig slop, which for me is indicative of maybe this guy was just a jackass. Right? Because even hurting people, like, I don't know about you, but when you walk by some hurting people or you know some hurting people, like, you're more apt to help them if maybe they're not a jackass. So I'm just saying, maybe this guy wasn't, didn't have the best personality at the time. Jesus goes on to say, that brought him to his senses. <laughs> right? This, like, if, you, if you're experiencing the hurt and the pain of having nothing, and having gone from something, quote-unquote, to nothing, you're real quick, 
real quick to surface in consciousness and awareness. Which is why I tell people in spiritual formation land, when you're spiritually forming, you're looking for things that bring you consciousness. You're looking for things that bring you awareness. And in this case, what was killing them was saving them. And that's what we're going to find out later. So he said to all the farmhands, he, so, so he said, he said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. So here's him in the, feeding the slop to the pigs, not even getting the slop. Like nobody will even give him slop. And now he starts to think, hey, man, the people that are working for my dad back home, they're getting three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. Right? This just makes sense. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. So let's talk about the word sin real quick. So, so sin, again, most American Christians understand this as behavioral response. So the only way, again, most people are taught that sin is all about behavior Salvation, for the record, is not behavioral modification. That's not it. So when we talk about terms of sin, we're talking about being up and away from God. We're talking about being up and away from the divine, up and away from the path of love. That's what we're talking about, up and away from the path of love. So I'm not, we're not just simply pointing to somebody who's acting like Jack and going, hey, you're a sinner, or hey, you have X, Y, and Z in your life, you're a sinner. This, this guy is understanding that he is up and away from love. And he's like, oh my gosh, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against even in the sight of my dad. Like, I have gone so far away from the other side of love that I'm, I'm recognizing and I'm going back to my father. Moving into the next one. Jesus continues, when he was still a long way off, and he's returning back to his dad. He's returning back to the father. Okay, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. So his father's like keeping watch, man. You got to understand, his father's every day. Think about the sorrow that his dad would have had as a result of this son splitting the inheritance, taking it and going. And no, he's getting reports back. He's under the father's understanding what's going on, just like any family that we've encountered. Oh, hey, I saw on your Facebook page. Yeah, you know, Lisa's, you know, in the big city and she's, you know, looks like she's drinking a lot and doing a lot of shenanigans. Like, we get this. The father's hearing back what's going on. And the father loves this kid so much that he's scanning the horizon every single day, waiting and hoping that the kid comes back. That's what's going on. Let me check the time here because I don't want to be a jerk. Okay. Um, but the father, sorry, well, it, so he was a long way off, and his father saw him. His heart pounding. That's the dad. He ran out. The dad ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. So ecstatic that the kid's home, running down the driveway, running down the sidewalk, meeting him before he even gets to the property line, and grabbing him and kissing him. And the son started his speech, <laughs> right? Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. This dude is feeling bad. He's feeling shame. He's feeling guilt. He's feeling upset. He's seen what he's done. That's what he's seen. Now, again, I don't want salvation. I don't want the essence of risen life in you or the coming to fruition of awareness and consciousness of your own life to be simply, I've made a mistake. 
Let the American Christian Church do that. But in the world of divine love, and especially in the love of the Father that's happening with the Son right now, this is not a Father rushing to him going, I love you, but you made a mistake. And I don't even think at this point this is a Son just simply coming home because he made a mistake. There is a recognition There's a recognition of walking away from love here. There's a recognition of trying to settle the score for yourself here. There's a recognition of selfishness here. There's a recognition of truly understanding what's going on inside of the son here. And the son is craving the love for his dad, just like this dad is craving to be with the son again. So again, I want to paint this picture. I want you to surface in your life, become aware of who you are in the present, become conscious of who you are in the present, not by the, just the mistakes you've made, because for me, that'd be easy, but I really want it to be with what you want. Like, what do you want and desire? And it's of my opinion that you want to be loved and to give it and receive it. And that's what I know the baseline of humanity is. So for those of you out there that have a constant teaching and preaching about please recognize what a jack you are in order to get to God, to get to the divine, you can tape your mouth. Because I'd rather us look back and teach a generation about the desire of love that we have inside to receive and give. Because we all have that, period, end of story. We all, we all have the baseline of wanting love, receiving it, and then giving it. And it's happening in this story in a crazy way. So here's the next verse of that. Remember, the son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father, see, but the father wasn't listening. This is why I'm pushing you this way. Jesus says the father wasn't listening. Instead, he was calling to the servants, quick. So he's looking back at the people that work for him, quick. Bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Welcome this kid back. Then he got a grain-fed heifer, a cow. And he said, go roast it. Get the best cow we got. Let's eat. And then the father says, we're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. Give up. Given up for dead and now alive. Given up for dead, meaning walked away from love. Walked away from himself. Walked away from the people giving love. Walked away from the act of receiving love. Listen to it and then put yourself in the story as we go. The last sentence in that 24th verse given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. So most people at this time, you know, when we do the whole found thing, it's like it's a like we didn't orchestrate the found thing. I got to tell you, man, when we say I'm, I once was lost and now I'm found, like I want you to know that when I go, I once was lost and now I'm found, what I'm talking about is the very act of me understanding that I need to learn to receive God's love. I need to receive the divine love that's already in me. And then I need to reflect that in an act of giving love. 
So I ask you, how does God love you and how do you receive it? How do you receive this love? Is it just by simply understanding mistakes you've made? Yeah, I think so. I think coming to fruition and recognition of mistakes is a big-ass deal, and you should be doing those kind of inventory things in your life 150,000%. But I also want you to see a picture here where the father is welcoming back the son, not listening to an orchestrated understanding of, oh my gosh, I did all this stuff bad. The father's like, yeah, 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 get it. But listen, listen, you're mine and I'm collecting you and we're going to have a celebration and we're going to have a party here because I want you to feel my love. So I don't necessarily need your shame and your guilt at the party. I need you at the party. I need you in recognition of the love that I have to offer you right now. That's so good. 25 through 27, all this time, he had an older son. Uh, The younger brother had an older brother. And again, typical in these relationships is they are all over the world. You know, maybe they had some kind of competition, some kind of rivalry, you know. So all this time, his older son was out in the field. So the older son stayed home, working the land for his dad, working working dad's business. When the day's work was done, he came in. And as he approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So this son is out there just getting it done, working so hard, he doesn't even know there's stuff going on in the house. And he calling over one of the house boys, the older son, he asked, what's going on? And he told him, your brother came home, and your father has ordered a feast, a barbecue. A barbecued beef is the way the message puts it. A barbecued beef. I don't know if that's my first choice for a feast. Maybe it's going to Buka or something, but that's okay. Because he... And Jesus continues, because he has him home safe and sound. Now, the older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. And you can see this coming, right? His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. Older son was pissed. Son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you. Never giving you a moment of grief. Never give you a problem. Just work the land, dude. Listen, dude, I've done everything right. And now you're partying with jackass that went off and took your money. Jesus says, the son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you. Never giving you a moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, talking about the younger one, who has thrown away your money on whores, horse, right? You're like, whoa, that's big language. And shows up, and you go all out with a feast. And his father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And every time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we have to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, away from love, right? Your brother was dead, and he's alive. He was lost. Now he's found. So I want to see ourselves in this story. Right? I want you to really understand that so much of us can be found inside the younger son story. Right? That's an easy one. And that's where most people will go with the story. Yeah, oh yeah, I was like that prodigal son. I I had a couple hiccups and went off and did my own thing. And then kind of realized I needed to mature it up a little bit. And I, I grew up and I came back home. Right? That metaphorical coming back home. 
And then there's some of us that understand the older son. You know, we do everything that we need to do correctly, right, just don't make much waves, right? Don't give anybody grief, but never seem to get the accolades that we need because our work kind of goes unanswered. And I do the right stuff and nobody ever appreciates it, right? We can see that. But I want us to see, I want us to see like five, six things here. I want us to see the space between the bottom of the driveway and the party. I want us to understand that space to where the prodigal son walks up to the house and embraces father. And then that space between the embrace and moving into the house for the party. Because certainly there's more said there than we get a look at in the Bible. Ooh, Jair, are you adding to the Bible? No, I'm not adding to the Bible. <laughs> I'm putting ourselves in the story. Relax. In that space, having been myself the prodigal son, just like you, metaphorically, we've all had a little prodigal going on inside of us. In that space, there was a call from the son, Dad, forgive me. But there's also the recognition of the father not listening and doing nothing but scrambling for a celebration because this guy's alive. You see, God understands something here. The Father understands something about you and me. He understands that we come to that period of salvation by ourselves a lot of times. We really do. We really do. Most people are out there like, hey, man, if you don't see the face of Christ and you know, touch the blood and the cross, well, you're not, you're not getting it. No, no, no. God here in this circumstance, really, uh, the, the Father in this circumstance really is understanding that this son realize something to be able to come home, right? And the son is literally understanding his own shame, some guilt, and some just ill feelings about himself and what he did. But the father isn't wanting to necessarily prop that up. He's wanting to prop up the idea that he is alive in that understanding. So for you, I want you guys to see yourself in this story. Like, where do you find yourself alive, understanding the things that you've done, not done, want to do, to do? Where are you there? Where are you in that aliveness that the father is giving this younger son in the form of a party? Come on, man, you're alive. We're not, we're not looking back at the pig slop and wanting to just simply sit there and charge through that and hold that guilt and hold that shame. No, we're wanting to go forward and understanding the recognition you had to come home because the recognition to come home is so much greater than any quote-unquote mistake you could have made. And so where are you recognizing you coming alive in that space between that theoretical, metaphorical bottom of the driveway to the party time? And I also want you to understand the conversation during the party. So there's a conversation literally going on inside this party. There's, there's, there's dad's friends are there. There's, there's probably prodigal son's friends there. There's obviously people that work the farm, work the business there. So there's this big party that night welcoming this kid home. And you know what parties are like. You know what party conversation is like. There's whispers going on in the corner. There's some gospel, gospel there's, there's people gossiping over there in the kitchen. There's you know people on the, on the Facebook trolling somebody and going, oh, look at her. Like There's all these conversations going on in the party. But the one conversation that we miss all the time in this story is that when somebody comes up 
to the prodigal who hasn't seen him in a while and says, hey, 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 where you been? What were you doing? What the hell were you doing? Because you know this is a, that's a real thing. Hey where, hey, where you been? And how does the prodigal son then answer it? How do you answer it? What is your story about coming to the party? And is your story just simply present day about shame and guilt? Is your story when people go, hey, how'd you get here? What happened to you? Is it you reverting back into shame, guilt, and pain? Fear, resentment, anger. Or is it you really coming alive with what has made you alive in the present day? And for the record, if you're dead and you're not getting what I'm saying, like I'm really hoping you're, you're hearing it right now. I hope you're hearing what will make me alive. What can I return to to make me alive? What do I have that's already in me that will make me alive? And in this case, it's the simple act of returning into the receiving of love from the Father. So the conversation party, the conversation at the party is hugely important for you to contemplate and to understand what's being said and how you're saying it today in the present day. Or does life suck? Hey, how'd you get here? Oh, life sucks. That person screwed me. That job over there, that guy didn't do right by me. Oh, it's everybody else's fault. It's the it's that it's it's that it's that tribe's fault. It's society's fault. It's Trump's fault. It's my next door neighbor's a pain in the ass. My kids suck. My wife's horrible. Like, what's your alive story, man? Because this guy's telling the people who have come to see him an incredible story in that conversation during the party. There's also the window I want you to understand. Jerry, what's the window? In this party, in this house where this father has gathered everybody, there's a window. And I have no doubt that somebody brings prodigal son to the window and flashes back the curtains real quick and says, hey, there's your brother. Or maybe the prodigal says, Where, where's my brother? Where, where's he at? Somebody drags him over to the window and just flashes open the screen real quick and says, there he is right there. The prodigal son kind of tips his head and wonders why the hell he's not coming inside. And somebody says, yeah, he's, he's a little pissed. He didn't, he didn't think you'd get a party. And what does that do to the prodigal? And what does it do to you in the story? What does it do to you? How is your story, how has your story been seen? How is it seen? How is it taken? And obviously you can't control that in other people, and that's the point. Because you can't control how your business is being interpreted to other people. You can't. You can try to control this all you want. You can try to orchestrate and control your life to the nth degree, and you won't get anywhere. Because control is an illusion, particularly in this story. Because I can imagine somebody would want the two brothers to eventually talk. I don't know, like the father, perhaps. Perhaps. We're getting long, but I, I just... The, one of the last points, maybe we'll do a part two on this. I also want you to understand what the next morning was like at the party. What the next morning was like after this party. You know, I can imagine there was a couple bottles of beer. <laughs> right? I can imagine everybody ate ate themselves silly. Had a couple cocktails. Sat around the back porch smoking a cigar and just relishing the fact that things are returning to love. But there's the next morning. 
There's the next morning where people are waking up into the new life. The older brother has to wake up knowing younger brother is back. Younger brother wakes up knowing that older brother isn't a fan right now. Father waking up thinking, how can we repair those relationships? Or how can, what does the next 24 hours look like in younger son's new life? New old life. And what does older son's new old life look? Or old new life look? What does life look like for you the day after? The metaphorical day after you come to awareness and consciousness about what is alive in you. What does it look like? It can look like you doing the same patterns over and over again for the record. It can look like you not making a decision is making a decision. It can look like you continuing to bitch about your circumstances. It can look like you deciding right away that whatever is in front of you, it's up to you to turn gold to turn good or to turn to shit. But like I started off, I want to give you the presence of who you are. And I want you to understand that in the present. So as you read through these parables and you're understanding that Jesus is going for the ego and the heart, you start to take on the understanding that Jesus, God, Father, the Trinity, divine in you, divinity in you, living, breathing, is helping you focus who you are. Helping you focus what steps you'll take next. Helping you focus how you will move your own ball down this field. Not not without the community, because obviously this story is about community too. And this story is truly about when you ask for help, it's there. When you move to love, when you move to receive love, it's all over you. But also when you move to not receive love, it's all over you. So come alive or understand what's brought you alive and move in it. Move in it. And allow yourself to be in these stories. And give yourself a big, fat spiritual break. Give yourself a big, fat, spiritual break and know that the thing that is moving in you to receive and give love is baseline everything everybody has. We all have it. We all do it. And we all need to take it and walk up the driveway and really understand the space we're in. All right, so we'll pick it up part two. Uh, Good people, I am J.R. Mann, spiritual director. If you want to have a session with me, the sessions with me are literally designed to transform your life. And I'm not saying I have the key. I'm saying that the two of us, when we work together, will find the key. (laughs) We will find the key. And that's what a good spiritual director does. A good spiritual director doesn't take the spotlight. A good spiritual director is refocusing to make sure we see spotlight, to make sure we see where it is and where it isn't and where it isn't. Uh, call me. Numbers are on the website, jrman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com, jrman.com. Uh, you can get all the uh, information you need there. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff. And if you want to grab my book, Year, it's 365 contemplations designed to do one thing, and that's move you closer to the divine. Uh, that also is on my website. Or you go to Amazon and you search Jrman or Year, Year the book, uh, and you'll find it there. And it's a great little book, and you'll really, 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 really love it. Uh, Good people, thank you. We will talk to you very soon.